I feel conflicted. I feel conflicted. I don't want to see that. I feel conflicted. I don't need to see that. I don't want. I don't need to. I don't want. I don't need to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that. In college, Mercedes and I, we came up with a list of what we considered the worst words. Yes. And then I put them all into a sentence. And so the sentence is, there is moist panty cheese in the crotch of my slacks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is a bad sentence. It's a bad sentence. You don't want to hear that sentence. No, you don't. (laughs) I also don't like the word pussy. I just yeah. don't. I don't know why. It, it really like depends childish. on how it's... It depends on how it's... Really, it's childish and that bothers you? Duty? <laughs> duty? <laughs> duty? There pee-pee? was so much duty last night. Okay, well... So, yes, there, were, there was a lot of duty in the desert <laughs> episode. Duty? Yeah, but he didn't go to the desert to duty. I know. No, I really Mickey. have a feeling we're losing Mickey next episode. I know. Anyways, we don't know what's coming, but we are bracing ourselves. All right, so uh, welcome back to Countdown to the Comeback. I'm Miss Jenny. And I'm Miss Marcy. And we are talking about season two, episode six, (laughs) what we thought was going to be the finale, but we were incredibly wrong. Jenny, you're looking very moist today. (laughs) And you're looking like a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Those are our two most unfavorite words. There's a little... Personal. Personal moments. <laughs> oh my god. Uh oh. Oh, we're in trouble today. So, we are excited about there being two more episodes, but we're also bummed because they're going to happen while I am traveling, and we're not quite sure how we're, we're going to manage it, but you guys might need they to... They might be delayed yeah, a little bit. New Year's. A little New Year's treat from us. Yeah. We'll still be tweeting. Yes. During the... Live tweeting the shows. So. Uh, I'll probably live tweet the East Coast feed, but, you know, we'll, we'll be around. You can't get rid of us. All right, so episode... Six of season two, Valerie Cooks in the Desert. That was a tricky title. It was. Well, because she was cooking because it was hot. And she was also cooking for Love Bug. Right. She was. Love Ball. And she was just cooking because she was getting all riled up, too, in the desert. I know. So there was was, three ways she was cooking. She was really cooking. I know when I heard the title of this episode at first, I thought that she was going to be cooking for Love Ball in the Desert, but I thought he was going to be there too. So it was interesting to see how it played out. Not what I expected. I know. So we open at the Berman Cherish home and the New York Times reviews are in. You know, the first thing I noticed, they weren't in their restaurant where they always read the reviews. Well, the ratings, it hadn't aired. That's where they were. Oh, right, the ratings. Yeah. They do the ratings that hadn't had the reviews. They were you're right. Yeah. So it was sort of the pre show buzz. And we know that in the next episode she's going to be doing a press junket. HBO is making their big push. Mickey and Val are joking around about the newspaper and that she's doing her little newsies imitation. I thought of you immediately because we've got a great little 
bit with Esperanza. Yes, she's trying to be Zoila. I don't watch this show. Oh I don't my know god, are is. you kidding? You don't know Jeff Lewis? What I is wrong with you? I know, there's so much wrong with Oh my god, I love Jeff Lewis. And he's got this sassy maid named Zoila. And she's so funny. She she loves him and she gets so mad at him at the same time. Jeffrey! Oh, Jeffrey! That was my Zoila impression. Is that sort of like Esperanza? No, Zoila's really funny. Esperanza, <laughs> Esperanza pushes it. Oh, but I love the full makeup and the the Esperanza lipstick was at its glorious best, wasn't it? Yeah, like suddenly she seems invested in a way I feel like she hasn't been. No, because she said she must she watched Jeff Lewis and she said that Jeff Lewis is made. He has funny comebacks, has snappy lines. Right. And so she suddenly realized when she saw that reality because it's a reality show. Yeah. And it's really she's really his maid, Zoila. Right. I know, I, I got that. Yeah, I it was and really... so I think she finally realized, oh my God, I could be a star. And you're right, she she seemed particularly made up, like wearing more makeup and looking a little fancier. She was ready for a close-up. She really was. Valerie makes a comment that she's looking for her hook, some sort of, <laughs> some sort of catchphrase. While this is going down, and also Mickey's in the background, there's just this little business that he is sorting out his pills. Yeah. And that's important because it's going to come back later on and he's, yeah. he's going to be Aww. reacting to the new pills. Mickey. So Mark enters. We find out that he's living somewhere where he can see the ocean from his place. He's still not there. They're living separately. We find out they've got a date on Saturday night and she's made them reservations at Nobu. I love Nobu. I've never been to Nobu. I know that De Niro is a partial owner of them. Oh my god, it's fantastic. There's a bar outside and there's couches like in the sand. Is this the Malibu one? The Malibu Nobu, yeah. I have gone there twice with Peter. Once where they thought we were getting engaged. But it's so so expensive. Oh, Oh, I'm sure. It's like crazy expensive. It's like Matsuhita, right? I mean, it's like like one of the Nobu was the chef at Matsuhita. Right. Right, okay. So, there you go. Yeah. There's more Hollywood inside. Okay, we could not have been more L.A. just then. it was very L.A. talking about the sushi restaurant. <laughs> you know that uncooked fish? So, Valerie makes a comment that it was prob- it was easier to get a reservation at Nobu, most likely because of the review in the New York Times. And she hands it to Mark. He reads it aloud, all the highlighted sections, because she's... <laughs> She's highlighted all the sections about her. New York Times review. Here it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How is it? <laughs> I highlighted the parts about me. Yeah. yeah. Valerie Cherish is quite a revelation as Mallory Church, a narcissistic, self-destructive, fading former television star. Yeah, they get it. <laughs> she brings to her character a vitality and here yet unforeseen, geez, someone went to Yale, unexpected complexity. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, couldn't wow. have done it without you, Mark. And they like Seth Rogen, too? Well, yeah, what's not to like? I mean, you know, funny, shoots heroin. You know, I smell Emmy. I smell, too. Oh. oh. This, this, <laughs> this part's not so good. These two pros me a pro. have elevated the predictability of this navel-gazing material. 
hey, heads up, Hollywood, being a writer is hard, and sometimes we have to do drugs. And for the privilege of witnessing this, HBO asks us to pay. Well, that's why you need actors, see, to elevate. Really nice things about her. And you know what? It was nice because, you know, Mark has not seemed like he's really liked Valerie this whole season, and he was generally happy for her there. It was very sweet. But that, that like, sort of Hollywood side, like, Klingon side came out, like, he's seeing her in another light again. Mm-hmm. When he sees that, like, ooh, you know? Right. Well, he said earlier in the season, at the Golden Globes episode, he said, actors aren't artists. Right. He has sort of a little contempt, or he doesn't really respect what she does, or doesn't think it's real work. Right. I mean, I'm projecting onto him these ideas, but that's really kind of the impression that I'm getting, and like you're talking about, like a turn with him here. Like, oh, the New York Times says you're an actress, maybe that legitimizes you yeah. on some level. Didn't he also ask if they'd mentioned Seth, his his man crush? Yes, his, <laughs> his celebrity friend man crush. <laughs> But then he pointed out all the stuff that they said about it that was unpleasant. Yeah, that was a really negativo. Which I think reflected his feelings about it. And <laughs> I think he was um, a little bit pleased that they're sticking it to Polly G. That review really seems like their issues with the show are more about the writing and the subject matter than with the performance on any level. Again, she looks like a star. Then Mark looks confused because he doesn't understand why there's all this sushi laid out and it's still in the boxes, it's not set up. And apparently there was supposed to be a premiere party at their house this night and Tyler didn't tell him that Valerie had to do the reshoots. Mark has driven all the way out for this party and Valerie has to go to set. And so the party's been canceled and they can't hang out. Tyler's attitude which has been growing and growing, was just like, he's got doubt, he's got like that hipster, I don't care look now. Like when they looked over to me, it's just so, but whatever. He's, he's also like caught in the middle of their marriage in a way, because <laughs> she's like, you know, well, your nephew was supposed to tell you, or she said that at some point, yeah. that, you know, it was his fault. So if she actually thought that Tyler had told him then she must have been pretty surprised to see him show up. And right. she didn't look that surprised to see him show up. I think she was happy to see him. Yeah. You're right. Oh, yeah. She misses like him. And it gave her a little sense of normalcy. And she made a comment about it being his house, and so it was normal for and him to be there. pretty soon it'll be back. You know, yeah. Yeah, she's really fantasizing about what's going to happen next and that everything is going to go back to quote-unquote normal, whatever that is for them. And we know that's probably not going to be the case. We know it's going to look different. Valerie says she's going to take all the sushi to set for the premiere party there. Saturday, she'll be all his. Then shortly after that, he's supposed to be back, right? And he sort of shoots that down. He basically tells her he thinks he's going to stay at least till the end of the month because he's rented the place out there. What does Mark do for a living? I need to revisit that again because... Renting a house in the Palisades is not cheap. While you own one that's probably in Brentwood that looks or Santa like, Monica. Yeah, it looks like a very, it's a very nice house. There's a pool out back. It's, yeah, you know, they were, they had the whole, they were using it to shoot the movie that had to be nice, you know. 
We know he's successful at whatever he does. Whatever it is he does. And we know they own buildings and stuff like that. Oh, that's too. right. So some, some sort of investments. But he also goes to an office all the time and has meetings and whatnot. We also, Mark also tells us that he's got to pay for the damage that's being done to the house, which we had predicted, which we talked about, yes. too. The sushi, is she's going to give some to Esperanza, and it's going to go to set with her, so nothing is wasted, and he makes the comment that nothing is wasted except his time. When she handed Esperanza that sushi, the look on Esperanza's face... <laughs> Like she just smelled bad fish. Oh I mean, really? It could have been I, bad fish. I didn't even I don't catch know. that. She was just—it was just probably extremely expensive box of sushi. Two thousand dollars worth of sushi. That's uh, insane. Which you know he paid for. Yeah. And he was probably thinking he was going to hang out with his BFF that night, right? That's why he was. It wasn't there for Val. It was there for Seth Rogen. <laughs> oh. So he goes off to find some clean shirts, and she's got to go to the set. So next scene, we are in her trailer, and Mickey is in the midst of trying to learn how to tweet so that they can live tweet the premiere episode of Seeing Red. That was so cute. It was really cute. He was just adorable in that. And then later on, we see him later on in the episode, and he's, like, fascinated. He's still, like, face into... Well, yeah, it's like, sorry, mom, but, you know, once my mom got her iPhone, like, she's, like, when she, she's so into it now. Yeah. She has it out more than anybody at the table. She doesn't realize, though, she'll critique, you know, see that other people are, but she's, yeah, she's got it out all the time. Oh, my mom loves her cell phone. (laughs) My mom doesn't tweet, but, yeah, to get my mom a Twitter handle would be hilarious. Maybe we'll set her up on that leg of social media. But who has time? She'd probably love it. Yeah, she probably would. She doesn't have a lot of time, though. Personal. Personal moments. Mickey is trying to learn how to tweet. Valerie makes a comment that she's already got 6,000 followers primed and ready to follow her. But the funniest part is when she said, every vote counts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really think she's totally clear on the concept of what tweeting is. The sound guy is assisting Mickey. He's helping him learn how to tweet when Rada comes into the trailer to talk about the reshoot. Valerie thinks that they're making changes because of test screenings, and Rada makes a comment about HBO doesn't test. We don't test at HBO. (laughs) We are HBO! And again, Valerie points out that, you know, yeah, it's different than regular TV. It's HBO. I just sang and your dog put her paw over her face. <laughs> I'm having, I'm feeling. Oh, well, she only likes Engelbert Humperdinck. So. <laughs> so Rada says that the studio wants more Valerie in the show. So Valerie, of course, eats that up. And as they're sitting down to talk about these changes that are going to be made in the script, Mickey suddenly has to go to the bathroom and moves to leave the trailer and realizes he's not (laughs) Not going to make it. it. So he apologizes that he's not going to make it and turns around to use the toilet in the trailer, which we already know is problematic. (laughs) And echoey. So, about the new material. Yeah. We wanted to see more of Mallory. Like it so far. <laughs> also, Excuse me, we... ladies. Okay. Unfortunately, I have to go to the restroom right away. Okay. Mm. No, I'm not going to make it in time. I'm going to use yours, Valerie. Okay. 
Pardon the noise. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, the new pages show more of Mallory in her work world, not just Mitch's office all the time. Um, and also, we felt it wasn't clear that the last scene in the finale was Mitch's detox hallucination. So we really wanted Polly to underline the drug show business symbolism. Great. I got it. I got it. Oh, great. Is that it? That's great. Because, you know what, thank you. Just thank you, you know, for, you know, wonderful opportunity to make the show even better. Yeah. And we are just hearing Mickey in the background oh having my God, a very tough time of it. It was the loudest duty I've ever heard. It was, it was loud. He was sighing. He was crying. There was echoing. There was plopping. There was... I know I tweeted about this, but I thought it was interesting that in the first season, when she's doing that private testimonial, and Mark comes in, and she's trying to record, and he's got to defecate. You know, <laughs> Jesus, I've got to defecate. You know, she's she kind of pushes back. And this time with Mickey, she's just like, you do what you have to do. I know. Which I thought was a sign of real growth for Valerie. Well, but also he's, you know, quite ill. That brought up all my duty paranoia, though, that scene. Talk to Jenny. Yes. I do, I'm so afraid of people hearing me go duty. Personal. Personal moments. Because. I don't know. I don't know. All right. <laughs> That's all right. I have never made duty at my studio. Okay. I've had it for 11 years. <laughs> I worked with a writer who never used the bathroom at work. He would, if he could not get all the way home to go, I mean, in the middle of the day, he would leave. He would wait until breaks to go. He would go and rent a hotel room. He would get a hotel room just to go to the bathroom Are nearby. Are you kidding? Okay, I am crazy. not kidding. I am not kidding you. Everybody knew it. I mean, he was open about it. It was like his little weird thing. So a lot of people have issues around duty. But we can we can talk more about that. <laughs> we don't need to discuss anymore. Yeah, we don't have to... I felt I was I think I was just really I was feeling really bad for Mickey besides everything else it had to be embarrassing for him. Yes, I'm sure it was. But again, at a certain point you know, embarrassing or not, what's more embarrassing? He had to defecate! <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Jesus, Marcy! As Rada is leaving, she congratulates Valerie on the New York Times review and then catches herself and says, oh, I don't know if you read reviews. And Valerie says, of course I read reviews. How else do I know how we're doing? Which, again, shows something very clearly about Valerie, that she's very influenced by external validation more so than internal even if she's doing great work or if she feels good about it doesn't matter if everybody else isn't get, heaping praise on her right so mickey comes out and apologizes for all the duty noises <laughs> for the for the straining and the difficulty and he he described like what he thought they probably would have had heard that was like like if it were me i would just kind of come out and say oh shopping and those are great shoes and I would deflect from the duty yeah but think about Donna in the uh in season one when they go to Palm Springs of the double d's yes you know she was a cancer survivor and she was really really had a fuck it attitude so yeah no maybe, she did so maybe did. the cancer was really made Mickey be like fuck it I'm just yeah maybe not quite as brash as Donna was no but. he was he was I mean I always loved Mickey but he was so endearing in this episode. 
he was softer. He he stopped correcting her. Yeah. I really noticed that. We see more of that as it goes forward. He stops sort of engaging with her in that regard, and she keeps catching herself. She's now got to catch herself because he's not always going to be around to do it. I'm going to cry. So Mickey apologizes, saying that it's the new medication. He's having a hard time adjusting, and it's making him sick. And he said that... You know, he kicked the cancer, but the public humiliation is a whole other matter. Val looks at the new pages that they've got to go shoot and comments that there's a lot. So we know that Valerie's going to have a lot more screen time, which I am sure on some level just gets Polly G, that they all want more Val. And and that's what he's going to be after rewriting this whole episode is writing for Val, writing for Val. It's going to make him nuts. Because the last thing he can do is see things from her point of view. No. Yeah. So next we're on set and Billy is with her and he's all excited about the buzz and that's... Red is a new orange! <laughs> I love that! I love me some oranges and new blacks. So. And she has no idea. Nothing! She probably thinks that Leela Durham uh, is involved with that. The Leela. I Durham. love that she says, now, now you're just saying colors. <laughs> <laughs> Does she know anything that's going on in modern television? Game of Thrones. She, yes. She's just the second Game of Thrones Well, out. you know what? Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage's penis. Oh, that's hard. Peter Dinklage's penis. I decided that instead of the... Dink pink. Pe- instead of the pink ladies in Greece were the dink ladies. We are. We should have satin jackets. <gasps> Let's... <laughs> Like, we are of an age where matching satin jackets would be fabulous in public, wouldn't it, Jenny? Let's have this. Uh-huh. Let's get matching, coordinated, bedazzled kids. Oh my god! To wear with them yes, as we walk the mall, holding hands in our dink ladies' jackets, <laughs> skipping, thinking maybe Peter Dinklage will be there and he'll notice us. We're here for the Dinklage sightings. <laughs> And if he, like, ever writes a book, we'll camp out. Oh, to have him sign. With, with pink sleeping bags. Have him sign our breasts. <laughs> um, you got to aim down. Yeah, but you're going to find. <laughs> He'll get up under mine and they'll rest on his head for him to sign them. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, you have a little oh. dust there. Let me sweep the floor with my boobies. Stop it. <laughs> They're titties and they're Swiffers. (laughs) So Valerie enters the set and it's made to look like her dressing room and the set decorator didn't have much time to do it and Polly G had instructed her to make it look as closely to Valerie's it wall at home as she possibly could. They duplicated everything. They brought in her actual People's Choice Award. It's is her actual seat back. It's her stuff. They took her stuff. That's so violating. Yeah, without telling her. Yeah. At first she looked really excited until she saw the I'm it chair back on the wall. And then she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that's me. And she was really calling for separation. And she had a point, you know, because everybody's been saying that to her the whole season. Right. And Polly G was saying that to her when it suited him. Exactly. No, no, now, no. But, you know, the, the I'm it chair back, 
okay? That's a real show, Polly, from a real network, you know? It's too late to get clearance. And plus, my fans, you know, my fans are going to see I'm it, and they're going to say, wait, isn't that Valerie? Wait, what is this? Is it Valerie or Mallory? I'm confused. Help! What's the matter, Val? Everyone's playing themselves now, right? I mean, Matt LeBlanc isn't Matt LeBlanc, right? Okay, but Matt LeBlanc isn't getting down on his knees and giving you a blowjob. That I know of. <laughs> right? Now, listen. It's just that Mallory did, okay? And if that stuff's up there, I'm it. People will think that was me doing that. That's the take it down. Basically, like, get over it. Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. The little shout out to Matt LeBlanc. And do you watch episodes? Yes, I love episodes. <gasps> so Polly G makes the comment that if people are looking at the wall, then he's not doing his job right but Valerie continues to push and is really standing her ground and does not let him just have his way on this and eventually he agrees to have them take it down also something I noticed in this episode is he's definitely eating his feelings and you know pushing his feelings down yeah I mean better that than heroin I, and he had a gun on his t-shirt. Did you notice that? The picture on his t-shirt was a gun. It reminded me of on Mad Men when Megan Draper was wearing the t-shirt that Sharon Tate wore in a magazine and everybody thought that that meant something and started <laughs> to speculate. Valerie makes a comment to Polly G about the New York Times article. Oh, God. Also pointing out the differences between her and Mallory Church. The difference between Valerie Terrish and Mallory Church is that Mallory Church is self-destructive and mean as opposed to Valerie. Polly looks very vulnerable and wants to know if they liked it. And she said that they did, but it's a good thing he doesn't read the reviews because they're, they're always going to be mixed. And that is just the kiss of death right there. He shouldn't have. She shouldn't have. No, but he, I mean, my God, by this time, I mean... But he, he didn't asked know her he too. shouldn't have. But he did. That's what I mean. He shouldn't have. Right. You're right. He yeah. shouldn't have he shouldn't have asked her. You be careful what you ask for. Oh my right? god. And then he has a meltdown because he didn't want to hear about the reviews, which I don't know whether or not she's heard this or not. Do you think that he told her or somebody told him? Even if she heard okay. it, she probably didn't process it because it wasn't about her. He, oh man, and that meltdown happened so fast. It was it was gorgeous. It was fabulous. The zero die hit you. Right? <laughs> yes, it was amazing. She takes a different tact here and doesn't let him get away with just walking away upset and says, oh, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to read you some reviews. Oh, Valerie, Valerie, Valerie. And she starts looking up reviews on her cell phone and reads him one by superfan over at bobtv.com. Polly has a very strong reaction to this, saying like, oh, well, you know, bobtv.com, well, that's better than The Hollywood Reporter. And then she says, oh, you read that one too? And he tells her to get away from him because obviously the Hollywood Reporter, not fans either. Yeah. As Polly storms off, Billy tells her it's time for the East Coast premiere and she's got to start live tweeting. And then Ron rolls in, inexplicably mad at her about the desert he, scene. Ron has, has almost hates her almost as much as Polly G hates her. I think it's a little bit like on Room and Board that the people around Polly G 
feel like they hate her because they're either absorbing his or they feel like to be loyal to him or work oh, with him. Man, they've he's got so not nice to her. He's not, and he he wasn't. There's some moments where he was okay with her, and when he needs her, he's totally nice. Like when to she her. gives him her house, exactly. But here he's mad at her, and he's talking to her like she should know why he's mad at her, where it has nothing to do. She hasn't done anything. Just just because the studio wants more scenes with her, it's not her fault. It's not like she did something to torture him. He's telling her that they are going to the desert to shoot these scenes and it's going to be Saturday and he won't move it even though she's even though she has plans and tells him point blank that she needs that night off. And he keeps pushing her to, to explain to him why she needs the time off and when she finally says that it's because she's making dinner for her husband or has a date with her husband, he blows it off like, "Oh, well he'll understand." It's a very Hollywood business attitude. Like, oh, I know personal relationships mean nothing and marriages mean nothing. Whatever goes on it's at sad. home is secondary. The show comes first. The show must go on. Uh, Valerie's then called to her marks and Polly G is face down in the reviews. Obsessively reading the reviews. Then we cut to the interior of the car and she's got new cameras installed in the car. She's concerned that they're going to make her look weird. And they do. <laughs> they do. Although Jane assures her they're they like They're like those peephole distortion-y cameras. Jane is in the backseat and Mickey's on his phone. Again, he looks like he's probably tweeting or something. And then Mark calls and Valerie has a conversation with him over the speakerphone. And we find out Nobu can't move their reservation, and she apologizes to Marky Mark. She asks if she can move; they can move the plans to Sunday, and he says he can't because he's already got plans. And when she asks him with who, what his plans are, or with who, there's very awkward, uncomfortable beat, and Ugh. he explains that it's with Kathy who found him the house, and some other people in the neighborhood. Oh, such a shame. I'm so sorry, Marky Mark. Shoot. Well, do you want to try for Sunday? Oh. No, I have uh, I have plans on Sunday. Okay, plans with... What kind of plans? Uh, plans? Um... Plans with who? Uh, it's just uh, Kathy, the lady that found me the house and some people in the neighborhood. Okay. Okay. Well, Saturday it is. Okay? So I'll just come to you straight from work. All right? I'll probably get there around 7. No no later than 7. Where, where, where do you want me to make reservations? Um, you know what? I'll handle that. I'll make the dinner plans. After all, I'm the wife. <laughs> Oh, you're on camera. All right, I'll call you later. All right, well, I'm going out. Okay. Bye. Okay, yeah, bye. I got a total vision of Kathy in my head when he said Tell that. Tell me what your vision was. She has blonde hair. She wears blazers. Mmm. <laughs> blazers, but like really tight skirts and like those high, high heels. But she's older. But she's got that, like, fading sex bomb real estate agent look about her. She's ready to be wife number three? Yes, I think so. I hate Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) I hate her. I hate her already. I hate her so much. Uh, So Val 
obviously looks nervous. And so she makes him the promise that she will make it back on Saturday no later than 7 p.m. And she'll take care of the dinner reservations because she's the wife. Said to camera, smilingly. Full eye contact to camera. And Mark makes the painful stabbing comment. You can see there's a beat. Oh, you're on camera. Yeah. Click. And she says she'll call him later, and he says he's going out. And that's pretty much the end of that conversation. Somebody had done a recap, and they mentioned how at that moment, there's this realization. There's this whole other Valerie Cherish that we don't see, that Mark knows. We do see that at different times and different moments, but that's really apparent here, that the Valerie that he's married to or loves is not the one that's in front of the camera. And I still can't help but think that at some point they went through something in those 10 years, those nine years. Oh, they had to. And went, got past it, and they were like in a, I think like in a healing time when all this came up. Probably, and just kind of ripped open the wound again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Cut to, we are now in a supermarket like whole foods yeah it's called world foods (laughs) but yeah it's probably whole foods valerie has decided that she's gonna cook for mark mickey joins her he's been having he had a duty again it was another mickey duty (laughs) he's having bathroom troubles see i could go to the bathroom at whole foods just not like when i don't mind the strangers here i'm back to my duties now i've made it all about me Okay. I don't mind if strangers here. Don't look at me like a shrink when I say that. <laughs> I'm just looking at you. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm looking. Sorry. I've got it's duty just... issues. I'm God. Jewish. I'm sorry. It's I'm a, a shrink. Thing. I'm a shrink and I'm, I'm a looking Jew. at you. I'm a Jew. <laughs> We're raised to close the door in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I think, an important thing. <laughs> I grew up in a house full of women who left the door open. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No, no. When my dad was gone. Like, when I was just with my mom but and my still, sister. But still, it's like, no, 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 no. I can't a, do that oh, now. Do you have I those can't. girlfriends who, like, come over and go to, come to your house and, like, pee with the door open? But see, that doesn't bother me because I grew up in that. Oh, but, God. I mean, I... I'm and like, why not? You know, and I, I don't mind it. going to the bathroom with some like, when you go and there's just, like, one stall. If, you know, if, if that's okay by somebody else, that's fine. Whatever. It's not necessarily my first choice. I don't have an issue with it one way or the other. Because you know what, Marcy? Everybody poops. But everybody pees, too. I don't know that I could, I'd feel really comfortable taking a dump in front of someone. <laughs> I don't want to take a dump in front of my husband. We've got a very closed-door policy. When I first lived with a man, we were young. I was young when I first did that. And and uh, the first time that came up for me, we moved in. It was all really cute and everything. And, you know... Uh, dancing through fields and setting up our couches and our putting away the kitchen and kissing and domestic bliss. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, you feel that little rumble, and I'm like, uh oh, can take it to I hadn't level. thought about this, so of course I did what every normal person would do. I'd said, I said, I'm gonna go walk the dog. <laughs> <laughs> At which point I drove to Ralph's. Oh no! And went to the bathroom there. This went on for like a month. Oh I had God. four spots. Oh there was a Denny's. There was a Ralph's. <laughs> Finally, one night I came in. He was sitting on the couch with his legs crossed, and he goes, "I know what's going on." 
and you will take a bowel movement in this house or I'm breaking up with you. Oh my God. <laughs> He, he, needed, he needed to know it was okay that he did it, too. <laughs> oh, he did it. Yeah. I'm just... <laughs> oh, trust me, the man pooed. Oh, my God. <laughs> so sorry, listeners. No, we're not. Um. <laughs> so Mickey is having bathroom trouble again, and he questions whether or not he should go to the desert, because as we know, yeah. there's been issues with her trailer, and... He said, is it the porta potty Are the porta potties there friendly? Oh, oh, God. Could you imagine having... I mean, I'm trying to remember. There may have been times when I had issues on a set, but I can't think of a worse place to be. Porta potties while you're desert, having issues. In on set. Oh. oh. Valerie says that it's all... It's okay if he doesn't come to the desert because Mary and Nina is coming, and so he doesn't have to go. I felt... Uh, it was such an impending doom, that scene with Mickey for me. And he seemed okay with it, though. He didn't seem competitive or anything. He no, seemed, like, relieved. too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He seemed very peaceful. He's not pushing back with her, and... You kind of it made you kind of wonder what kind of diagnosis he'd gotten, you know? Yeah, how bad is it? And is he actually sharing it with her? Has yeah. he shared it with her, and they're just not playing it for the cameras? Because she's so accommodating to him. Yes, and the next bit between them is she says, where's the meat? And starts. <laughs> and she starts joking around. Oh, remember that? That was so funny. And that's what I'm saying. That like in the past, he would have corrected her. He would have right. said, it's where's the beef? And she said, yeah. no, it's not. It's, it's where's the beef? But that exchange doesn't happen here. That was so funny. Clara yeah. Peller. Oh, is that the name of the woman? That was the name of the actress. Aww kind of sad that i know that isn't it we all know random shit <laughs> and speaking of shit no speaking we're done with shit. that so valerie and mickey go over to the meat department and and they talk to the butcher about what is a fancy meat to prepare and he says he usually recommends lamb lamb is always a nice fancy meat she's not convinced because of all the bones and she decides that she wants beef and wants to know what she can do with beef that's fun. <laughs> there we saw Mickey in his glory. And Mickey says, no comment. Very happy. <laughs> that little sexy look. Aww. That little Mickey look. Still got a little, little, little fire. Yeah. A little fire in his engine. So the butcher gives her a flyer on how to make beef rollatini. And she does not look confident that that's something she could do or wants to do and she decides that she's going to make a reservation like oh well mark would probably prefer going out so i'm just not going to do this puts it back and then turns around and runs into a woman who recognizes her valerie looks stricken like she doesn't know who this person is maybe thinks it's a fan or something and it's Gigi, the female writer from room and board and she's blonde now, and she's eating kale chips right out of the bag. <laughs> Look at you. You caught me eating kale chips. How embarrassing. Why is that embarrassing? <laughs> I know. If you're going to get caught eating something. So then we find out what's been going on with Gigi. And she's seems to be doing really well. She she does that. She did that thing when you first bump into someone. You know, I'm doing great. I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. But what's the first thing you noticed about her? Oh, you mean that she was bigger? Yeah, and the... It was obvious to me that she was in a fat suit. Yeah, and, and even, like, the chins. Right. So I wanted to tell you that for the last two years, surprise, I've been wearing one of those, too. <laughs> Could you tell? Gets a little warm sometimes. So 
Laura Silverman, I think, tweeted that the fat suit was falling off of her face or melting. So it seems to have been a difficult time with all the makeup. And it was fun to see Gigi older now, but she's still Gigi. She really hasn't evolved Well, but at first it seems she did. And then as she started, you know, falling apart. We know that this is how she manages her stress. We saw it in season one. Right. And at least she's still good and succeeding and doing well career-wise, even though she doesn't feel that way. We find out she's doing Pretty Little Liars for ABC Family, and she's adopting a child. We know she's got dogs, and (laughs) later on we find out she's bought four houses, but she has a very hard time getting them between the houses, and she's got a bitch of a dog walker. We learn she needs a root canal. She just starts just pouring it out. What was it about seeing Val, you know? I'm sure it took her back. But maybe it's like with Tom that they're still, they're, they're all confused about Polly G, sort of the unfairness of Polly G having this show on HBO. I think everybody feels that way. That's the competitive edge of the business. No, it is Everybody, yeah. even when it's your closest friends, people can feel petty oh, and spiteful. It's like, oh, why did they get that role? Or why did they get that gig? Or... You know, because a lot of times in my classes, they'll, you know, three or four of them will be up for the same part. You know, they're they're at a certain level of success. They're seen for a certain type of thing. And then so someone comes in and they say, oh, I got cast in this. And, you know, you see like, yay. But then you see like three faces fall. Right. It's hard. And maybe three faces who didn't know yet that they didn't get it too. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. That's absolutely part of it. We also know that there's so many shows that are made, pilots that are shot. And it used to be more so this way because now they'll do um, the pilot presentations or little things on the internet. Networks will buy shows that have already been seeded somewhere else, like with webisodes. There's still a lot of pilots. Right now, actually, when when I leave here today, I the rest of my afternoon is coaching people for pilots. It's uh, the jumpstart on pilot season, I guess, this year. I don't know. But here it is. We're, you know, going into the third week of December. And I'm shocked that I, I'm this busy. So there's there's a lot being made still. And everything won't go. Everything will not Most go forward. Go. As, as we learn, Gigi tells her tale of woe. I saw your HBO show last night. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I did a pilot for them three years ago. I really thought it was going to go. It was called Who Could Love You? Oh, a female-driven comedy about a woman who woke up one day four times bigger than when she went to bed. They picked up girls instead. Uh-huh. Yeah. The description of it was heartbreaking. Oh, my God. The fact that it was called Who Could Love You? <laughs> oh, I have to say, though, there's part of me that thought, well, that actually does sound like something I would want to watch. Me too. It's a female-driven comedy about a woman who wakes up four times bigger than when she went to bed. Which I think is how Gigi feels about herself. Exactly. So it's very personal to her, right? And she was really proud of this HBO pilot that she did. And... Now she's on ABC Family and has all this money and seem seems to be successful, but it's not what she was passionate about, and she's miserable. It was and... really good. It was really funny. It was really good. She was great. Bane Gibby. Gigi's played by Bane Giggy. 
<laughs> Gigi is played Say that by three times fast. Three times fast, Jenny. Go. Gigi is played by Bane Gibby. Perfectly. I mean, it's still that same character. It was very clear. It was very believable that Ugh. this was still her, and she still doesn't have any friends on the show that she's working. She still feels alienated. Nobody invites me out for drinks. No one says, "Hey." It's so sad. It's so sad. She talks about that even though she owns the houses and has this level of success, it still doesn't matter because she doesn't have anybody to share it with. As she's breaking down, she tells Jane not to use the footage, really, right? And you know Jane will. Oh, well, this went well, don't you think? (laughs) I'm going to go. It was really nice to see you, Valerie and Mickey. Yeah. Don't show this anywhere. Jane, I'm serious. Women in this business are not allowed to cry. Don't show it. Well, we're seeing it anyways. But I don't know. <laughs> Do you really think Jane will... Uh, maybe if Jane is sort of trying to portray how... And this, this may be the documentary that Jane is making. Sort of how women in Hollywood are treated or what they yeah. have to face. The difficulties of being a woman trying to succeed in this business. Even at a high level of success, it's still difficult to make friends and have a life and find a partner or have it all to have the baby. You've got to make sacrifices in a way that men don't have to. She makes the comment, women in this business are not allowed to cry. And that really hit hard and home. It's something that I know and have seen and have felt. that There's no crying in baseball, There's no crying in baseball, right. Women have to, you have to take it. You have to really be able to take it. You know, being a stand-up, oh my gosh. Yes, well that's even worse. You're constantly (laughs) having to fight against the women aren't funny. You know, you'd hear that all the time. You know, and there was like a constant drive to just, you know, be at at one point be one of the guys and then I decided, no, fuck it. I'm embracing my womanhood. And, you know, that's why I dressed... You didn't really know me doing this years, but I dressed very provocatively on stage because I, I wasn't going to, you know, be androgynous and wear a tie. and You know what I mean? That's not who I was. The guys were so snotty about that. It was okay because in, in, in the long run, I was happy. This is maybe too much for the podcast. Well, also, but... some of the women who were dressing androgynously, too, were lesbians as well. Yeah. Who also were hiding their sexuality, doing comedy that was totally be brilliant. I mean, you can see where Ellen, how Ellen can do her show so well because she she worked doing comedy that was not about her. It was not sort of this, I mean, it was, some of it was personal, but it's not about her sexuality, right? right? And that it was But no, but no woman was allowed to have a sexuality, whether you were gay or straight, you know? Right. No woman was allowed to have the sexuality. If you did, you were doing woman stuff. Even, you know, whatever, like I said, whether you were gay or straight. If you weren't a guy up there, they didn't let you into their club. It'd be sort of non-threatening. Y- yeah. I can see that. I can totally see that. And I think that that's the way it is in the writer's room, too. Well, I know that's how it is in the writer's room as well. I, have, I don't have a problem taking it. I have a hard time giving it back because that's just not me. You know, I can, to a, to a degree, and with people I feel really safe with, I think, but when you're just sort of finding your way in, people who are just being cruel and think that that's funny, I don't find cruelty funny. 
I don't either. A lot of stuff that goes on in the And I think that's a good thing about us. Yes. Right. Exactly. And, you know, that is why it wasn't what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. Well, that's also why I didn't want to do stand-up anymore because I loved the art of it, but I didn't like the life of it, you know? And I would, I saw females who were 10 years older than me, you know, I would look at them and I went, oh, okay, I'm going to try something. I'm going to... I'm going to use my my powers in a different way now. The other thing, too, is that now I know, and I mean, I knew it a little bit back then, but now I know there are more, there are other kinds of writers' rooms and projects, and they're not all the same. Right. I mean, nowadays, too, I mean, look, we were just talking about the Golden Globes, the comedies. Fantastic. Four out of the five nominees for comedies for the Golden Globes are, have female showrunners, so... There's definitely been a shift. Women have more power. They're that definitely so more welcome. Yeah, it's awesome. And I know there are writers' rooms that are nurturing and I mean obviously Absolutely. you still have to be good, but that aren't quite that boys club cruelty based hazing. You know, I think that that scene in season 1 where Valerie looks in and they're simulating that sex scene, you know, that is not, that wasn't that off base from you know the writers' rooms back then. I do think they've evolved. I was in the writers' room at that time. I mean, uh, yeah, and everybody was it was right after that friend. You were Rosemary. <laughs> it became everybody was really nervous all the time too, and I was a double whammy too because not only was I a woman, but I'm a minority, and the worst part about being a minority for me to them was that I don't look like a minority, so I'm like a. I'm like passing minority. So they wouldn't even realize that shit that they were saying was offensive. People will be cautious then about the female stuff, but totally not care about the racial shit, which is also another issue for another conversation. That's obviously not the issue here because we got a lot of white people on this show. The comeback is chock full of white people. We don't have a lot of flavor in this season. That's true. We don't even have that we have costume. Esperanza. We have Esperanza, but we don't have, I and think Rada. it was Peter. You're right, Rada, who's a beautiful mulatto of some sort. Um, <laughs> anyways, this, this exchange with Gigi is summed up by Valerie as a cautionary tale. Wow. That's a cautionary tale, huh? That's what happens, though. You know, when you make show business your whole life, right? You know, next thing you know, you're eating kale chips out of a shopping cart. And here she is. Valerie's really getting close to everything she's ever wanted, but it really appears that her relationship with Mark is going to be the price to pay. Yeah. So Valerie, noting this, turns around and decides, fuck it, she's going to try to make the beef. (laughs) The beef rollatini. Have you ever seen beef rollatini in your life? What the fuck is beef rollatini? I don't know. It looked really bad when she was making it. Too. It looks to me like something you serve at a party. Yeah. Like on a tray with hoard yours. Hoard is ovaries. Hoard yours. The next morning, Valerie's car pulls up in the desert. It's 100 degrees out at 6 a.m. Uh, Mary Elena says that the heat is bullshit. Uh, Valerie's told that the set is 20 minutes from the base camp. That means that where the trailers are parked and she has access to air conditioning and some level of comfort is quite a ways from where she's going to need to be. Yeah. Because you get to the set 
and you're already melted by the time you get there. I was filming a movie in Mexico once, and it was like that. And it's hot in Mexico. I'm sure it's like it's the desert. Mexico hot. It's, it's Mexico. <laughs> Valerie is ready to go as soon as she rolls in, and there's the wonderful exchange with the GPS that says, you have reached your destination. She says, have we? Or have I? Or... <laughs> It's a little symbolic of what, what's going on here, right? Like, look, you here you are. You've reached your destination. They actually want more of you. But uh, is this really where you want to be? That was a deep moment. You were very deep. Deep this. moments. Deep. Uh, she you went very deep there. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, she informed Shayna that... She's got a jump start on the wig, and she's ready to roll, and not to forget that she has to be out by five, and... You know what? You know what's so funny? When she got out of the car, her outfit and that scarf, it was, like, from the 1950s. Yeah. She was like sort of Grace dressed... Kelly going to the desert yes. Palm Springs. That was her going to the desert outfit. I think it was a very well-thought outfit. She, yeah, she watched the movies, and... Damn it, that's what you wear. You to wear the a, desert. You wear a scarf around your hair. You have the little capri pants and the sleeveless blouse. Shayna informs Valerie that Polly still hasn't written the last scene. And you can see on Valerie's face that she is just freaked out, scared about this. Because her hopes to be out by 5 p.m. is all resting on Polly G. Now, to take a moment here and say, yes, we're rooting for Valerie. She's our heroine. We're seeing things from her point of view. The other, there's this other side of me that thinks about Polly G and the pressure that he's under. And like we said earlier, he's got to write scenes for her, which probably drives him crazy. And he doesn't have a great sense of her experience from what we've seen. And he's just filled himself up with these quote-unquote mixed reviews, which, as we know from the New York Times review, which Mark so happily shared with us, the things that are getting bagged on are his writing and his story points and choices. All that pressure, and then he's got to have this scene written by the end of the day, too. And I think it's not written because he just doesn't want to write anything more for Valerie. He does not want to make Valerie look good. But here's the thing. No matter the angrier he gets, the better material he gives her. Just like the more frustrated and the harder he pushes her, the better her performance yep. becomes. I mean, in a way, they are this really dysfunctional but dysfunctionally perfect muse and artist, right? Because yeah. They're both the muse and they're both the artist. They're pushing each other and pushing each other's buttons, getting the best work out of one another so far. There's an attachment. They can never separate. <laughs> I know. So she's going to end up with Polly G in the end. She's Polly G's Sisyphus. Because he's <laughs> I know. doomed forever to push her up the hill and then she rolls back down on him. He's got to push her. Yeah, For he can't get rid of eternity. her. That's what Sisyphus is. Sisyphus. I know what Sisyphus I have is. A, do you hear me say? You have a sibling S. I do too, actually. I had to go to speech. My me first too. Therapist was, yeah. Wow. Me too. They would pull me out of class at school. Yeah, me too. I had a I had a problem with my aws too. I I had. Did you get made fun of? Only by my family. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. See, my family loved me, but I got made fun of at school. I also got made fun of because my mother dressed me in completely coordinated outfits every day. Oh, I loved coordinated outfits. Everything though. Garanimals everything. were like my favorite things in the world. Like, oh, oh, oh sorry. Lois went further than that, my friend. 
I had I had like fifty pairs of kids. Like <laughs> she found like tangerine and salmon and limoncello. Nice. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. I went through a period of time where I wouldn't wear pants. Like I could I would only wear dresses. Oh okay. And I was I was yeah, afraid yeah, like yeah. you were going to school yeah, just, just, in a just a top and panties. Just those really big <laughs> carters up that go up to the And you know what? <laughs> when you get a little older you'll probably want to do that again. Yeah, actually I, I wanna do that right now. Me if, too. if I could if it were we're not wearing pants. Not the same pants. <laughs> so so we know that they're going to shoot the car scene with Valerie while they're waiting on the new pages from Polly. But they don't say what that car scene is going to be. So, but there's something about her being kidnapped. Yeah. That's all I know. Yeah. Right? Because she makes a comment later that it doesn't make any sense that she's being kidnapped. I think the scene that comes up is just really, we just really see how Polly... The the seething, seething hatred he has. It's like, let's snakes. lock her in a trunk. With snakes. With, and cover her mouth so we don't have to with hear. tape, yeah. Right? And put snakes all over her. Valerie, we know, has brought the meat with her, the beef, to make the beef rollatini. And I thought, oh my god, this must be Food terrible. Poisoning. Oh, yeah, exactly. She's going to serve that. She's going Mark's going to gonna have a Mickey <laughs> Duty moment. She's going <laughs> Here comes the salmonella. Here comes salmonella. Here comes salmonella. (laughs) Squirting out your underpants. (laughs) Sorry. Just a little ditty. (laughs) I'm I'm also a lyricist. There's my S again. And Valerie also is pushing back this early on. She's pushing back against Shayna. And she needs to know she's being heard. And is she being heard? She needs to know. Shayna finally tells her, yes, she's heard. But you still get the feeling there's no way she's getting out of there by 5 p.m. Oh, there's not even going to happen. And that's beyond poor Shayna's control. I never got the idea that Shayna didn't like Valerie. Yeah. I mean, she's that's just her job, too, is to be the bad cop and to be the a-hole. On top of Polly already is an a-hole. So if you have, if your job is to be the a-hole for an a-hole, you've got to be like a mega a-hole. Or you got to be really nice. One of the two. I usually always went the really nice way. So then we're on set and Andy, the director, Andy Tate, is back. And there she is with her Broadway. Dancy as ever. Yes. Dancy, dancy. Five, six, seven, eight, and fake, and fake. <laughs> Here we go. I, You know what I was wondering last night? Because I, I started reading bios of, you know, some of the actors we didn't know on here. And, you know, she's she's a big improviser, and I'm just wondering, if she didn't bring this character to the audition, the dancy, you know, someone who dances with everything, because that would seem like a character that someone would create in an improvisational setting. Or maybe they saw her in something and built it around her, yeah. too, doing I'm, something I'm like that. Yeah, that's the case. a good idea. You know, just like Valerie Cherish was developed at the Groundlings. Um, I guess she's a, this girl's a UCB, Meryl. Oh, there she was, and... I I felt for her, too, because she also, you can tell, does not want to go, you know, mano y mano with Polly G about things if she doesn't have to. Yeah, I think she's a little scared of him, too. So, Valerie's in the trunk, and they're wetting the snakes. It's just one take after another of them trying to make the snakes look real. <laughs> also, this seemed to me like they were trying to justify their jobs by doing this, because... All that green screen shit, they could have, first of all, they could have done that in a green screen studio, yeah. and they could have CGI'd in all the snakes. 
they didn't need to put in the real snakes at a certain point. And even Chisa makes a comment like, you couldn't do this in post. Nobody wants to bother Polly. And I think Polly wanted those snakes on Val. Oh, I'm sure. Well, how symbolic is that? Right. I mean, come on. Let's talk. There's so much. There's so much symbolism. Hello, Carl Jung. Let's talk about <laughs> what the symbolism of the snake is. Snake yeah. In and out. Snake in the pants. Snake. <laughs> Adam and Eve. You know, tempting. All, all. There's so many layers of the problems with snakes. In this whole sequence, Valerie's in that trunk, like, questioning the logic of the story, too, which is sort of like, there's nobody around who's listening. And somebody informs her that Polly G is depressed, and he's in the tent trying to write nearby. She's complaining that the that the trunk of the car smells like gas, and also reprimands a crew person who's smoking nearby. Which would never happen on a set. No. Not these days. I mean, no. in the olden days, in the olden days, you know. Back in the back when we were young yeah. puppies. 10, 15 years ago, yes. And I may have actually been that person. People but... don't smoke anywhere anymore. I know. I'm glad. So they add a real snake, and I, I gotta tell you, she does have a very real reaction to that snake when they open up, and it's right by her face. Oh my god, that was so funny, the look on her face. Of all places for the snake to be, it was like right by her mouth. Well, now there you go again with the symbolism. <laughs> uh, open wide. Right. <laughs> blow me, Val, blow me. So then later on, it's 2.30 in the afternoon, and everybody's sitting around waiting for the new pages. Tyler's complaining about how hot he is. He's got the zinc oxide all over his nose. Tyler's a big pussy. <laughs> Tyler tells Valerie that Polly G's not writing. He's doing drugs. Some weird guy showed up and went into the tent that he must be in there doing drugs. Valerie gets very upset and storms to where Polly G is. It seems to be right off of the set. She storms into Polly G's tent expecting to catch him shooting up but there he is getting some sort of a weird metaphysical like massage. a freaky massage uh, yeah. or something <laughs> yeah that's what i imagine happening there and he screams at valerie and she's screaming and storms off and valerie then chastises tyler for filling in the blanks tells him you're not the writer you're not a writer stop billing. why did you make me go there the next scene we see is a little bit later, and I assume they're in the catering truck. Making rollatinis. I thought this was kind of a really sweet little moment with it Jane was. and Mary Elena. She's having some girl time. You no, know, it was like, I was like, I can't remember what old movie it is where they're teaching the socialite how to cook in the kitchen. And there they are. And they're, <laughs> they're like praising her. I know. Like, Look at how good it is. Yeah. And everyone's very excited and I'm sure cooled down. Where they're just they're just making sure the salmonella happens by having the meat out now. Instead of in the cooler. And they are making the beef rollatini when Ron rolls up. Rollin' Ron. Rollin' Ron. God, he's a bastard in this he scene. He is such a dick in this scene. He was the straw that broke Valerie's back. Actually, he was the straw that broke Valerie's camel's back. <laughs> Valerie's back was never broken in the making of the comeback. Ron's very upset that she's not up on set and that she's rolling up beef on my time. And then she has had it and she lets loose on Ron and Shayna. You're rolling up beef on my time? On your time? There are no pages, Ron. 
There are no pages, okay? The hair and makeup truck told me if I go up there and melt in the sun again, it's going to be two hours of repair work. Okay? I need those two hours for my, for my life. Hey, Val, I'd like to invite you to set. Okay, and then this one, okay, she's invited me to set four times today. And it's a false invitation because I get up there and I'm the only guest. All right? That's not right, okay? Shana, don't try to coax me into coming to set either anymore, okay? Stop at the invitations, all right? I'm not a child. You want me to come to set? Just tell me you want me to come to set. I'll come. It's probably not your fault. Probably teach you that in AD school, right? What do they say? What do they say? Don't tell actors to come to set. They don't like being told what to do. Is that what they say? Invite them like it's a party. Actors like parties. Don't do that anymore, all right? And while we're here, might as well tell you, please don't ask for my autograph at the end of every day on the timeout sheet, okay? Don't do that. Is that another thing they taught you? Actors love signing their autographs, so ask for it that way. Just don't, don't ask for my autograph anymore, okay? I know you're not a fan. That's okay. And I know that you are not a fan. I, I want you up on the set now. You know what, Ron? I was up on the set, okay? I was up on the set earlier, locked in a hot, gas-fume-smelling trunk with live snakes. And where were you? You weren't there. Where were you? I know where you were. You were sitting in your chair in air conditioning. Okay. The middle finger? Yeah. That's not right. No. That's right. The middle finger. Did you see that? She goes off on Shayna inviting her to set and asking for her autograph on the timesheets at the end of the day, which they have to do. It's a union thing. These are things that have to be but done. But they do come up to you and go, can I have your autograph? That is, that was, that was great because that was a real moment. And, and I too always go, oh, really? Well, it's patronizing. It's so patronizing, you know, and I love that speech when she... You know we're actors and you think that we like to have our, and you ask for our autographs. And I'm on to you. It was fantastic. She put it into words. It does make, like, oh, really? You're going to say that again? Like, I've had that moment, haven't you? No, because I've never been an actor on the set. Ever? Mm. No, I've never acted in a movie. Mom, Who so- are you? None of them are being kind to the actors. Again, here's, they're just treating her like a piece of, Meat. Yeah. Like the piece of meat she's rolling up, that's what they're treating. And they're like. breaking all kinds of union rules, you know. Not not the actual show the comeback, but seeing red. Right. Is breaking all kinds of union rules. What's stunning to me is that she's the asset here as well. And yeah. they're treating her like this. It did seem like Ron was blaming her for everything. And then he flips her off as he's rolling off. So things are bad between her and Ron. Now, do you think maybe he was in the Polly G had a total fit on set when, after she left and was, you know, talking about her and, and Ron was maybe the recipient of a rage of Polly G's? Well, I'll tell you, a line producer's job is a really hard job. Oh, it job. is hard. I mean, you're stuck in the middle of every, just like being the AD, just, I mean, being the bad guy, the the bad cop on set like Shayna is, that's hard. But then having to be that way about money and telling people that they can't do certain things because there's not enough money and being caught between the studio, sometimes the studio and the network and the producers and the creative teams, you know, there's any combination of people can be a pain in the ass in that job. So after Ron gives her the middle finger and rolls off, we don't know how the rest of the day goes for them shooting wise because after this 
The next scene is Valerie pulling up into a driveway and you see Tyler is asleep in the back of the car. You know that it's got to be late in the day. And as she gets out of the car, she Valerie says to Jane, oh, you beat me here and I was going 100. She must have been going much faster. And we notice she's not at her house. She's at Mark's. And it's dark and she tells us that it's 11.30 at night. He was mad. Kept going to voicemail, you know. Thinks I stirred him up. That's what it is. Yeah, just even matter if I wake him up, right? So, okay. Okay. Why did you leave it there? Just so he knows. You know, can see I made the effort. You know. I'm going to leave a note. No. Yeah, I should leave a note. And there is this real weird moment where you wonder, is he alone? I was going to say... Weren't you so afraid she was going to walk in on them? Yeah. On him and the real estate Him and Kathy. Kathy. Her hair is like blonde, but if you look really closely, it's really dry at the ends because she, she hasn't blown out twice a week. You just really have a whole story. I do. Yeah, I'm giving Kathy a backstory. I don't know. She's no red. She decides to leave a note and she leaves it on the back of a call sheet and she won't tell Jane what it says. As she's walking back to her car... <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> and she's walking back to the car, two beasts come out of the darkness. <laughs> uh, two very large coyotes slash dogs. They, Jane, they were actually too big to be coyotes. Coyotes aren't that big. Yeah, Jane says that she thought they had collars on, so they must. So <laughs> well, they first Valerie ran, ah, oh, they're coyotes! Right. <laughs> oh my god, run. yeah. Which is perfectly possible. I would have run too. I would have as well. I mean, it's the dead of night and they just bust into the beef roll latini. It's probably the best meal they've had in a while. Or else they've got salmonella. (laughs) (laughs) There's something going to be, somebody's going to need a very big pooper scooper in the morning. Valerie walks (laughs) away. Yeah, well. (laughs) Jane asks Valerie if she knows. For sure that Mark is home and you see this sort of look on Valerie's face like, I can't go there, I can't. And then she turns around and says, oh, well, wouldn't it be funny if I throw a pebble? it be cute? Yeah. Oh, it's so she's just fantasizing that that's who they are or and could be. And she's just, she's just holding on for dear life. She's trying. She's making the effort as she says. Valerie is insisting that he's home and she throws a rock up at the window And ends up breaking it. Of course. The light goes on and he comes to the window. And I was like, oh, I was holding my breath there because I was so afraid Kathy was going to be there. Somebody else was going to pop up behind him. Kathy would be wearing like a cone bra and a half slip. Really? Don't you think she'd just be wearing his shirt? Isn't that the ultimate, like... Yeah, that would be horrible. The insult is... But I still see her in a half slip. A half slip and his shirt. And heels. He's not happy. He's not happy that she broke the window, but he comes down and she tells him that she'll pay for it and he forgot to give her a key. But she picks up the food to take it inside and you hear her asking which direction to go in the kitchen. So she's she's not been there. This is the first time she's even been to this house. And he didn't give her a key. He hadn't given her a key. As the door closes and Valerie goes off with Mark, Jane picks up the note and holds it up to the camera for them to get a shot of and it reads marky mark i was late 
hopefully not too late. I love you, Valerie. Jane just sort of holds it until she knows that they've got the shot, and then they walk away. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's no music. I didn't notice that. I thought about it later. I thought, what was the ending music cue? And then I realized there wasn't. It was just the sounds of the night and kind of heard the dogs, which was Sookie's favorite part. <laughs> uh, anytime there's a dog. <laughs> My dogs, yeah. too. They bark at the yeah. screen. She's yeah. very excited. And we just made ourselves both sound like crazy dog ladies. We are crazy dog ladies. Over the credits, it's just Jane and the crew clearing out, going to the cars. And there's something very quiet and still about the end of that episode sort of the calm before the storm i don't know we'll find out soon that was the end this... you know for some reason jenny and i thought there were six episodes we're trying to figure out why we got that impression so for me when i thought no i thought before i knew there was going to be two more i thought this can't be how it ends like i was that would have been awful if there very were... confusing but then, yeah. I, then i was also thinking well there's got to be a season three then Season three, come on. Well, we know for sure that there's two more episodes left for them to wrap up. And yes, yes. we were wrong. But so regardless, we are very excited to very have two excited. more episodes. I'm glad because this is not what I would have wanted for the finale. No, and I, you know, all day I was thinking, how can they possibly wrap it up in half an hour? You know, I'm glad it worked out this way. This episode was written by Michael Patrick King and Lisa Kudrow, and it was directed by Clark Mathis. I think this was one of those episodes that was setting up everything. I think it was setting up Mickey. I was thinking it was setting up the relationship. And I think it was setting up things coming to a head with her and Polly. So I feel like those are the three things that are going to happen in the next two weeks. When she comes to set earlier in the episode and they've recreated her it wall and when she's first kind of excited about it. Yeah. Polly approached her in a way that seemed pretty light and positive obviously zero to I hate you happened pretty quickly there, but he did seem okay with her at first, almost pleasant. I thought, oh, look, it looks like they're actually getting along until, of course, she needed something or wanted something. Well, you know, his character's been even more interesting this season, Um, and Lance, great job with everything you've done. I love actually seeing the nice side of him, too. It makes the scary side of him, like, ooh, even scarier. In the first season, his presence was constant and the feeling of it was constant. But he himself probably had less dialogue than almost anyone. Yet his influence was so strong. Right. But in this, he's much more alive, actively engaging in these scenes, has more to do because he's. I mean, he's always been the central figure, but he's, again, this is kind of about his comeback as well. It's not just her comeback, it's his comeback. The dynamic between the two of them, as we've talked about, what is his thing with Valerie Cherish? Did he used to jerk off to her? That poster (laughs) that she showed us in season one where you could see her panties, I imagine maybe he had that on his wall. Was it disappointing? I hope she sleeps with him. Oh my God! Wouldn't that be great? Well, I hope he goes down on her. That's, That's what right. I hope. He owes her a blowjob. Yep. He definitely does need to go down and dine at the Y. Or as my English friend would say, have front bum. <laughs> so disturbing. Because different things come out. Like I don't know why they call it a front bum. Yes, a, a bum. Like, unpleasant things come out of a bum. Whereas pleasant things come out of... Yes. 
the next flag this, flag this, Jane. The next two episodes too are called Valerie faces the critics, and we know she's going to be doing a press junket. And then the last one is Valerie gets what she really wants. So those are the next two episodes. Could be Polly G. Could be Polly G. Oh lordy! No, I, I'm, I'm very upset about Valerie and Love Ball. It is very difficult to have it all. It is. And I ask Gigi. And I think right, exactly. <laughs> and I think from women there's a lot of pressure to have it all, to be the perfect wife, you know, where she's saying, Oh, I'll make the reservations after all, I'm the wife, to be a career person, to be a parent, to be sexy, to and no matter that you're aging, right? That there's still an expectation that you have to be sexy until you're eighty, right? Right. It's that you don't get a break. There used to be a time when menopause was sort of a, a woman's way out, and not just menopause for women, but men. When you didn't have to visit the red tent anymore, right? <laughs> But also that a man's sexual, like now men are getting treatment for testosterone, like yeah. to keep them younger longer. Their wives are like, Jesus Christ, you know, could I have a break here? There's a reason why our bodies wind down too, because other things are supposed to become important. But women are expected to be these vivacious girls until the very end. And I just, it's sad. Do, do you mean like the girls on the episode of Girls? Because I don't want to turn into Lena Dunham. Oh, darling, don't worry. Okay. Okay, no. But Lena, Lena Dunham is trying to become a woman, too. She doesn't want to be a girl. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the tweets and the Facebook. And, and, and the next podcast may be arriving a little later than this one, because Jenny's going, going traveling. I am. I'm going, I'm going abroad. This broad is going abroad. All right. All right. So that's it. Bye. This is a wrap. I feel conflicted. I feel conflicted. I don't want to see that. I feel conflicted. I don't need to see that. I don't want. I don't need to. I don't want. I don't need to see that. I don't want to see that.